What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to a jam-packed episode of the Smart Out Moment Smack Talk Podcast, Hot Tags number 634. I'm your host as always, Tony Mango. Joining me as always, Robert E. Valise. Hello. And Callum Wiggins. Yeah, you should not approach these tags without gloves. Very much so. Uh, maybe like one of those heat shield masks, maybe... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, those lead shields that they put on you when you're getting like an x-ray done it's uh this is a spicy edition for this and uh, we've got you know we started out this week with a couple interesting ones and a few days ago we had a couple really big ones and then we had a massive massive one to add to that so i have no idea what thumbnail i'm going to go with for this uh with the main keywords are, are going to be on there I I don't what can I put on there like the you know <laughs> that isn't going to seem a little weird <laughs> like if I put the Netflix thing on there if I put the Rock thing or if I put Vince if I put uh, uh Janelle is her name like I don't I don't want to you know put her on there necessarily or something if I put the two K twenty four covers people will be like why isn't Vince on there like this is this is a week uh on top of many many other things outside of the hot tags you know we got the Royal Rumble coming up and all so. This is crazy. And obviously, as we go along, we tell you what we think about all these topics and chime in with our thoughts and, you know, kind of do a whole podcast. That's the point. We want you to say what your thoughts are. So if you are over there on YouTube, then you've got that handy little comment section below. Make sure that you talk about whatever it is. Ideally, tag like the spots. Like I always like it when people tag like, you know, six minutes and 50 seconds in and then they say like, you know, wow, in, in relation to that, like, I think this is so just for, you know, for context, but in any way that you can tell us what you're thinking, maybe if you're listening to us on Spotify or whatever, if you don't want to hop over to YouTube, then, you know, set a tweet, post something on the page on smartgammoment.com, do something over on the Mega Maniacs Facebook group, or you can also join our new Discord, because that is another thing that's happening in this crazy busy week. You can see the link on YouTube right now. Uh, if you are on the audio-only streams, head on over to smartgutmoment.com. And by the time that you're listening to this, I will end up having a post up about joining the Discord server. A friend of mine and I worked on that over the past week. And it's kind of bare bones a little bit right now. We don't have much going on. I added all the channels. He's added a bunch of emojis. And uh, he set up like the watch party section. But... Right now, the game plan is to just see how many people want to join in and what they want to do, but we might have some kind of watch party things for Raw, NXT, SmackDown, maybe AEW too that uh, he might be hosting. We've got the option of potentially doing like the fan ounce table things where if we do like, you know, I mean, we can kind of get around the copyright thing in some ways like that. I don't know, uh, you know, future episodes that we have like music going on where we would worry about the copyright stuff. Maybe we do it that way. Maybe this transitions even how we do the YouTube live stuff. I don't know, but plenty of people have been asking for discord for a long time and it's not something that I am super tapped into, but uh, now's the time. Let's go ahead and try it. So if you want to be on that discord server, then you've got your link there. And if you can't find it for some reason, let me know and I'll post it on like the YouTube thing or something like that. I don't know. But also keep in mind that we've got the dark casts. We got the Patreon pick your poison stuff. Same thing on the YouTube channel membership, a little thanks button. to help us out. Redbubble and T public for merchandise. 
hit that like button on this video, double check you're subscribed, ring that notification bell as well, because we ha do have an upcoming episode of the pay-per-view point post show where we of course are going to be doing the live immediate results of the Royal Rumble tomorrow night. Right after it, we are going to be showing our faces for the first time since WrestleMania in um, yeah, WrestleMania 36. Uh, not that you don't know what we look like, but seven. we're doing, uh, was it 36 or was it 37? 37. That's what, because 36 was the one, uh, uh, yeah. So wow. no, one, no one wants to show their faces at WrestleMania 36. <laughs> so we've got, you know, that going on where you'll be able to actually like interact with us a little bit more like that. So if you are somebody who doesn't necessarily, um, dig the whole static image thing or something, bookmark your stuff and, Tune into the live Royal Rumble post show because you can get to see our new reactions and stuff. And, you know, to test around for some other things, too. Maybe we see more of that in the future going on with mock drafts. We could get our, like, face reactions when somebody steals a pick from us and stuff. But, man, so much going on this weekend, this week in general and all. So we do have to start getting into this with, uh, you know, <laughs> some of these hot tags because this is crazy. Oh, actually, I should mention uh, as well that the Royal Rumble predictions contest is still going on until the kickoff of the pay-per-view tomorrow. So if you do think you might have an idea of what number one to 30 is going to be for those and all the other things, I am, I still haven't currently filled this out because I'm like, what do you mean bad bunnies in Florida? Now I got to add bad bunny into this. And like, you know what I mean? Crazy, crazy times. But if you want to be a part of the predictions contest, that form is over there on the sidebar, smartcatmoment.com. You can find it by clicking on the Royal Rumble label. You can find it on the homepage. You can find it on Mega Maniacs. Again, all across the board. If you don't know how to find it, there's multiple different ways, but I could tell you uh, some other ways. So just let me know. Hot tags. Man, I don't even know exactly where to start here. <laughs> Do we start with the little things to get them out of the way? Do we start with the big things? Uh, I'm thinking maybe we should do some of the small things just to kind of check them off. Um, Oscar nominations happened over the past couple days, and Iron Claw unfortunately not nominated for anything at all just completely snubbed not the only snub that's out there i'm you know if we got into the movie side of things which of course you know it's more fanboysanonymous.com related but i'm you know surprised about like margot robbie not getting nominated for best actress and greta not being nominated for best director and i still think that there's plenty other movies that should be nominated for other things and stuff but for the wrestling fans, that sucks. Iron Claw was good, and they didn't get any nominations. Not supporting actor, not adapted screenplay, anything like that. Not to like say I'm super surprised, but I'm bummed about that. How do you guys feel? Oh, wait, neither of you have seen it, right? I, I haven't seen it yet, and I don't think Callum has either, but I'll say that given the praise it received, I felt as though it would be more likely that it could receive the nomination, but I wasn't expecting it from the beginning, so I'm not really worried about it too much. Yeah, as I haven't seen it, so I can't judge it one way or the other, but it's, as I heard they got very good praise, but I'm, uh, I can't say that I'm desperately surprised that a, a wrestling movie didn't get nominated for um, an Oscar. It's, uh, yeah, not a super common occurrence, so... Surprise, doesn't surprise, yeah, so I can't say that, especially with all the other ones that were 
listed that that one failed to make it there. And apparently Natty is working on producing a Hart family movie with, uh, which one of the Culkins was it? Rory? Rory or Kieran? I think it's Rory. Um, no, it's the other one. Oh, it's, um, it's not Kieran. It's, it's not Kieran. It's not Macaulay. So it's Rory, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which the picture that she had put up there, I was like, oh, with the long hair, I could kind of see him playing Bret Hart, maybe. Or maybe Owen. Like, he changed his hair a little bit, and maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm down for a Hart family movie. I don't know what the necessary, like, story elements would be if they would touch on, you know, the Montreal Screwjob, or if they would touch on Owen Hart's death, or if they would talk on... If you're not going to touch on Owen Hart's death, you don't touch the Hart family, I think. I don't know if they'd go more like Stu and like the uh, the dungeon and like, you know, yeah, setting that up. of Bruce because he's like, he's like the heart that was always active in things, but never made it. So it'd probably be based off of Bruce. But it'd be fun to see a movie based off of Brett or... Owen or Stu even. I'd love to see who they would cast for like Jim Neidhart and like Davy Boy and all. Like there's you oh, got Walter Hauser for Neidhart. You know what? I wouldn't be opposed to it. <laughs> Maybe some other people uh in the mix that I just I haven't given much thought to it yet, but um yeah, there's like a fan cast thing out there probably where somebody has like a, a decent idea. I'll have to probably check fancast.io, I think is the name of the site that I usually go with, uh, or mycast.io. Um, let's see if there is anything about like Bret Hart or something on there. Um, one person's got an idea of for Wrestling with Shadows where they have like Clint Eastwood as Stu Hart. You know what? <laughs> that could work. They've got a uh, John C. Riley for Earl Hebner, uh, Oscar Isaac for Jim Neidhart. No, come on! All right, you lost all your credibility at this point. Um, Somebody said they wanted Keanu to play Brett, and I could maybe see it. I finally Keanu watched really uh, Point Break for the first time the other day, and uh, if he comes out there and he's like, "I am the WWF champion," then maybe it could work. Uh, I'd be down to see a horror family movie. What about you guys? Yeah, um, I think they have one of the more unique stories in wrestling, and I'd like to see it. Yeah, I wouldn't watch it. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just being honest. I don't watch movies often. Yeah. So probably, yeah I, probably, I, I probably wouldn't get around to watching it. But you know, go ahead. Let's see if it's um, I'm, it's the hot story. The hot family story is. Another very interesting one, the same way the Von Erichs one is, obviously in a, in a different way to the Von Erichs, but still very interesting and still has a lot of a lot of triumph and a lot of tragedy in it as well. So if they tell the story with a good amount of, I guess, historical accuracy and then embellishing in places, then I'm sure it'd be a very good movie as well. Based off of them naming the Von Erich movie The Iron Claw, I would assume that they would end up naming this something like... Uh... The dungeon. The dungeon, or like, um, you know, some kind of. The dungeon, tales from the dungeon, stampede, uh, broken hearts. You got a maybe, lot of maybe something with the word foundation. 
you got a lot of puns you can play around when it comes to the hearts. Especially the heart name. I mean, you know, the whole King of Hearts and Black Heart and you know, there's a million of them, but uh I I mean I'm down to watch a Heart family movie. I'm down to watch an Anawaii family movie. A Rhodes family movie. <laughs> like you give me a decently produced thing like the A twenty four Iron Claw style, yeah, I'm I'm gonna watch it all. But I guess considering who's uh who's now in bed with the WWE, that might be more of a more of a, a possibility see, than ever before. See, but I want like an A twenty four style movie. <laughs> but there, yeah, there not wrestling with my family. <laughs> I don't want that one. Um, There's probably more of a chance now with both, you know, The Rock on the board and Netflix in bed with them. We're going to put a pin on that one. Talk about that in a little bit. Uh, real quick mention of uh, something that we don't really need to get too mad to. But, you know, we like to update you on new uh, different things like trademarks and, you know, announcements of pay-per-views and stuff like that. So... NXT Battleground 2024 is coming to the N Market Arena in Savannah, Georgia, May 26th. If you're in that area and if you want to get tickets, they go on sale pretty soon. I think it's like February 2nd or so is when they go on sale. So it was literally the site of Dynamite this past Wednesday. So that's a nice sized venue for them. Cool. And I mean, I like how they were repurposing Battleground as an NXT thing. It's not my favorite name of all, but it works. So. Of course, you could already see that on smartcomoma.com. That information is already out there that I basically just said because we don't know anything about the card yet. But Battleground 2024, keep your uh, eyes peeled for May 26th. Let's talk about another one of these. It was going to be a bigger topic <laughs> up until uh, everything else happened this week. But Kevin Patrick has been not only taken away from his SmackDown commentary position, but released from WWE. And it started out, it's just like, oh, he's being moved out of the commentary position. I wonder who they're going to get to fill in and if they're going to use him just, I guess, for the pre-show panel, maybe back to the interviewer side of things, maybe put him on NXT and, you know, move uh, Vic Joseph up or something. It's interesting that they go from being like, we like this guy. We want him on pre-show panels across the board. We want him on main roster commentary. We want him to do you know, studio work, interview stuff, YouTube videos, big, big fans of him. And then they go, I don't know about that commentary role. And then they go, you know what? As we're saying that, fuck them. Let's just <laughs> release them entirely. Maybe they just figured, you know, if we're going to do one thing, we might as well do all of it. But all of us have said before with like the end of the year awards and stuff, None of us have been super impressed with Kevin Patrick on commentary, and we don't want to obviously see somebody lose their job. So that's a disappointment, and it sucks for him. But he's got some other hosting gigs, and I think it's like ESPN or something. Then he hosts like soccer, or he does yeah, something he's, like he's that. A, he's a soccer commentator, and I, I didn't think he was that bad that he got released quicker than some who have been worse than him but i guess it was just they canceled the podcast they didn't have anything for him to do rather than put him back in a backstage role just you know do the deed but i thought it was kind of unfortunate now michael cole is supposed to be filling in for him tonight i believe and 
there hasn't been any indication that I've seen of what like the future real replacements going to be because Cole's probably just going to fill in until they figure that out. But man, I am really hoping that it's Vic Joseph. That guy is way too good to just continue to be ignored on NXT. And maybe he wants to be on NXT because he doesn't have to travel as much or something. Maybe that's the reason why not. But I also don't know if they move Vic Joseph up who gets put next to Booker T because you got to find somebody for that role. Can't just be Booker. <laughs> imagine, imagine NXT where it's just Booker and he's just, uh, you know, oh, hotties, big Scotty and like <laughs> the whole thing. It wouldn't possibly work. So who do you think uh, might fill that position and how they are they going to balance it out in NXT? I just I said this on Twitter. I thought Byron would just get the spot since he'd had the spot previously. But of course, I'd rather for SmackDown or for NXT for, for SmackDown. But of course, I'd rather Vic Joseph just get the spot. But I, th- I thought it'd be nice to send Kevin down to NXT. But uh, if Vic gets the spot, I don't know who you would send it as his replacement. Yes, yeah, so I mean, Vic is the is the ready-made replacement. So he's been doing the job in NXT for a long time. So as long as he would be happy with the idea of um, traveling around with the SmackDown brand, then then I think that that would be the obvious choice if they want to go, if they want to keep him there and they think that he's like now tied to, like he's the voice of NXT and will be long-term, then they would, if they're looking for, or if they want to go someone that's invariably in-house right now, then the obvious choice is Byron Saxton. Well, obviously, the obvious choice is Michael Cole, but it's whether they just want to keep. The, the longer they just do that, the more they will it will find it harder and harder to replace or to eventually move Michael Cole out of that position when they eventually have to move away from him, or he goes into a more uh, pr- productorial role, directorial role behind the scenes. So they need to. They should really be trying to start the transition process, and likely Kevin Patrick was part of that before plans changed. Um, I mean, if I were them, I would I would consider Vader Scott as an outsider going coming I in. Absolutely would as well because but... as as someone as 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 a company that is very much well at least on the surface pushing women's wrestling a lot more to have a female voice on commentary that is is doing this a lot and is so is is very competent at that role would be a good sign for them. Um, I don't think she's re- she's not really play by play as much as she is color, so it might be a case that you'd need to have still someone to come in to do the play by play stuff. But, but yeah, I, I think that they should at least broach that opportunity of having a female voice on commentary as opposed to just it's such a very male dominated aspect of wrestling. That's I think one of the trickiest parts is there are a lot of people that could potentially fill in for color commentary. Even like Byron, I think is more of a color commentator than a play-by-play guy. And you can insert a legend or you could even have like a revolving door from week to week. If you don't have like a permanent person, if like, say, like say the scenario is different and like, um, yeah, Wade Barrett decided not to be, I hope that's not the case, but if we, let's just say Booker T, let's put the focus back on NXT if it was instead of this whole situation going on with Kevin Patrick, if it was like, all right, Booker T doesn't want to do NXT commentary anymore. Who do we put with Vic Joseph? You could do like this week. He's got Kevin Owens there. And this week he's got 
McFoley, and this week he's got the uh, I don't know the um, the Brooklyn Brawler, <laughs> you know, Brooklyn Brawler. Out of all the names I pull, really, uh, but the play-by-play position is way too important for somebody to hold down the fort, and there hasn't been much success from people that are outside of pro wrestling just coming in and filling in the spot. You know, Mike Adam Lee didn't work. Uh, Adnan Verk didn't work. Jimmy Smith eventually ended up being tossed aside. So unless they could get like Mara Ronaldo, which I don't think that he would necessarily do it, but maybe, I mean, They've, they're now in this partnership with TKO, which means that they could try and bring some UFC commentators in to do this role instead. I wonder if any of them would actually know like the moves and stuff enough to be able to do they probably, that. They, they probably wouldn't, but I imagine that... I mean, some people have transitioned from... Like, like Maro did a lot of um, uh, MMA fighting commentary as well. And boxing, boxing, MMA, yeah. So there is... Essentially, if you're good at it, you can you can learn it. So, if someone is willing to learn and be in that position, then I wouldn't be surprised. Especially if it's uh, if in the future, let's say it's like a raw gig, and then you're again part of the Netflix thing, or SmackDown, you still get on USA. Like it's to be part of like a big, like established show on television. I'm sure somebody that is good at commentary for another sport but is would be passionate enough to learn about wrestling and wouldn't see it as a kind of like oh it's just wrestling would be able to fill that position eventually but you know if we're talking about this the immediacy the only person that can really do that for wwe right now is is uh vic joseph and michael cole so it's kind of a toss-up between two of them whether you just want to stretch michael cole even thinner or you want to uh, give Vic Joseph an opportunity on one of the uh, main roster shows. What they could probably do, and I haven't watched NXT level up since like the first episode. Somebody else does that other than Vic. I'm blanking on his name, but I could see them potentially having him move into the NXT position and then move Vic to SmackDown. That's probably the easiest thing to do. I think, I think the clearest indication, this will be the clearest indication to a lot of people last included that uh, if the long-term goal isn't to put Vic into this position now that Kevin Patrick's no longer available to do so that Vic's just not going to go up from NXT at any point probably because then it's either he doesn't want to do that or they don't see him in that spot which you would think it would be like that's crazy that they wouldn't potentially see him but then again this is the company that released Mackenzie Mitchell which is like she's very clearly the best interviewer and they got rid of her so I don't know but Maybe I should hit up a former Smartout Moment member, uh, Walker Stewart, and be like, "Hey, you want to get out of your Russell Kingdom uh, or Russell, your New Japan uh, deal and switch over there?" Speaking of New Japan, though, actually, we do have a New Japan story to talk about. Uh, this is uh, what event was it that this just uh, happened with Akata? Oh, I need to uh, need to check that out quickly because they have so many different names for all of their stuff. Uh, Let's see. It was uh, uh damn. You got all these just all news of Okada, AEW, WWE, whatever and stuff like that. Uh what was it? What was the last event? I'll get up on New Japan stuff instead. That's usually the simplest way of doing it. Uh lots results, results. So it was uh one of the uh, Road to New Kingdom shows. 
uh, right in the beginning show, should I say. Uh, so this was on the on the 24th. So yeah, it was just like one of the like just random tour shows that they decided to switch the Never 0.6 Man Tag Team Championship match on there. So uh, Akada's team, they were the uh, they well, they were the current Never 0.6 Man Tag Team Champions. Him, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Tomohiro Ishii, they successfully defended the belts on that night against uh, the Mighty Don't Neils, Mikey Nichols, Shane Haste, and Kosei Fujita, with Okada getting pin because obviously. And uh, and and yeah, and then Okada posted uh, the victory, announced that he would be surrendering his third of the championship. So my assumption, they haven't made it absolutely explicitly clear, but my assumption is that uh, they will just have someone come in to replace Okada within the team with Ishii and Tanahashi, presumably someone else from the Chaos Stable will just fill in for him. Um, right now, I don't know who that would necessarily be because there's a few people, but it would seem like a bit of a weird one to, you know, take a card out and put Toriano in instead, that he's probably the most experienced member of Chaos that's left. Um, yeah, essentially no one can kind of feel Okada's place to make this more of a super team, but maybe they'd go with someone like Shotaro Umino because he's, he's kind of attached to them, but not really. It's kind of a... A weird thing for him but he'll be if they see him as a future star for the company then that would be something so yeah that's kind of like the main story is that he still defend his title but the um i was listening to um super j cast which is a very good podcast people that are very interested in the latest ins and outs of new japan pro wrestling they've got a lot of good sources there so they're able to like talk about news and events and they covered a lot of the stuff about the Okada departure and in their most recent, one of their most recent podcasts, they spoke about the um, this this match, but also talked about the wider um, discussions between Okada and the New Japan office and the New Japan um, uh, locker room and all that stuff. And their basic gist that they got out of it, and again, you can listen to that if you want to get like the full details, but... The idea was that Okada was not exactly very keen to do business with younger wrestlers in the company. And the, also the idea that um, essentially he had been telling the office of New Japan, the New Japan office and the, the board and the higher ups for the last few months that he was going to resign. But then he was telling his friends and confidence and other stuff that he was planning on leaving. Mm. And so the idea that that big announcement came out and it shocked everyone and that New Japan said they were kind of like surprised and unfortunately have to change a lot of things because of it is could actually be more accurate than we actually thought it might be. Rather than just like a saving face tactic, they might have actually been pretty blindsided by the news that Okada said that he was going to leave. Which isn't really like the obviously the nicest thing to do, but at the no. same time, if you don't have a really good relationship with your boss and you're, uh, you know, kind of in that position that you want to leave and be like, you know, fuck off, then you don't really care. It's kind of like that whole like you, if you care about the business, you give them two weeks' notice when you leave. If you don't care, you quit on the spot, kind of yeah. thing. I mean, Okada is giving them the matches in February, so he's not leaving immediately. Even though his contract, technically, he technically can leave at the end of January. 
that's like when his contract is done, all his commitments could technically be done. He has committed to some matches in um, in February, which, funny enough, I also saw that um, uh, Tomatonga has got a match booked in New Japan in February as well, despite the fact that he has also left the company now. Um, so, yeah, Gorillas of Destiny are reunited for a match on that show. So, so yeah, so he's not 100% out of New Japan yet as well. But, um, but yeah, I think it's just quite interesting that Okada, and I say it's interesting because, like, you want in in kind of like the the optimal world or your ideal utopian world, like the top stars like Okada would utilize the last like three to six months of their time in the company in order to help put over some new talent and help put the company on the the best foot for their depart for his departure. But he basically said, yeah, I'm just going to work with the same guys that I've always worked with and just going to have the matches that I want to have. I'm going to be the six-man tag team champion and not get involved in too many singles matches. Go save my body to the run-up to um, my departure. And then I'm just going to go to someone who gives me the most amount of money and leave you guys with a, a, a black hole that you have no means of filling right now. You know what, though? When you describe that, that makes me go... I think he has a good shot of landing in WWE. Well, well, it's just a case of it's it's surprising. You'd be well, I'd say you would be surprised. Maybe you wouldn't be surprised one way or the other. But this is essentially how things normally happen with top wrestlers in promotions. Like there, there isn't often a big um, a big desire to put loads of people over. I mean, Will Ospreay is basically going out on after loss, after loss, after loss. Like he put um, Josh Alexander over in TNA. That's how much he's willing to just like do the business before going into AEW because he knows that as soon as he's in AEW, he can just hit the ground running and will be a big star immediately there. Every generation is different, though, because some get really passionate about, I'm not going to be like the generation before me. I'm going to put everybody over. And then there will be some that are just like, no, I know my worth and I have to save those losses. Like, it's the difference between a... 2010 Cena versus Cena now, who will lose to like literally a day one recruit at the performance center and just be fine with it because he's doing the back of the business. <laughs> Unless you're Austin Theory. <laughs> and then if he's like, I'm going to lose to you, but I'm going to bury you ahead of time, make sure you can't come back from it. <laughs> well, then I think that's why he's okay with losing to these people because he's just like, I'm John Cena. I can lose to whoever I want. Like, I think that might be what Okada is avoiding here, where he's like, no, I want these losses to matter. There are just like a few like, in, little interesting wrinkles that I got from that uh, podcast, and yeah, as I say, it's um, it, it's it's quite like common in Japan for this stuff to happen. I mean, we talk about like a uh, great Muta, like on his way out of that as well, just like beating loads of people, and like he was world champion like a year and a half before he retired as well, even though he was in his like sixties and could barely move. It's like so yeah it, it's it's not like the most surprise for you the world but it is interesting that like he had that's probably a, a big reason why new japan is now facing like the the void at the top of the card that they're that they're now facing without a card there is because yeah he he at least in part he didn't play a big active role in trying to get some new stars over so uh Rob, did you give you a, a prediction of who you think might fill in that um, that third of that championship? Oh, um, Callum had a good pick with Shooter. I think, you know, 
there there's so many people right now that are just floating. Maybe you can have Kimia is still firmly Noah, right? He's still signed with Noah, yeah, but he's still he, he still does stuff in New Japan. It could be him because he seemed like he was being groomed for that spot. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see though, because again, you can't replace Okada. But, so I'm looking at all the members of um, Chaos right now to see who it might be. So people that are technically members of Chaos are Hiroki Goto, who is like an established name. Him and Yoshikashi were recently the tag team champions, so you could slot one of those into there. Uh, Yo Toriano, Rocky Rero, and technically Wheelie Yuta is considered part of Chaos, even really? though he's even though he's you know. Uh, Blackpool Combat um, Club. Yeah, which, which is weird. It might just be a carryover from him technically being part of the the best friends at one point, and therefore he was yeah, in that's, chaos. that's exactly what it is. So I presume it might just be a case that it hasn't been updated on the website properly. And then members of the kind of New Japan main unit, which is like the one that Tanahashi's involved in, you've got like El Fantasmo, but he's doing stuff with Gorillas of Destiny right now. Hiroshi Tenzan, Master Watto, who's injured, so he can't be him. Kojima, he's kind of not really doing that much stuff in New Japan at the moment anyway. Taguchi, who's a comedy character. Uh, Shota, Tiger Mask, who's like so, so old now. <laughs> and then basically all of the Young Lions. So, so yeah, realistically, the only real options are go with one of Yano... Uh, Goto or and Yoshihashi from Chaos, so you go with Shota Umino if you want to just put a new guy into the mix there. So, yeah, I, I think that's probably it, unless they've got someone else from outside the company they're going to throw into it. So, then that covers all of those smaller topics, except for one of them that again could have been a bigger topic on a different week, but the return of the AEW rankings system, which one of the stories that came out around this is that it went away because of CM Punk's influence, which of course, you know, allegedly we don't know if that's like a guarantee that that's true or not, but I'm for and against this in some ways. Um, I'm for it in the sense that it always gave AEW something different to stand out from WWE and to, have that more sports oriented feel where, you know, you can say like, well, why would I want to watch AEW? If I want to watch WWE, it's the same thing. You go and have something a little bit different. Maybe that's the reason why you like that better or just, you know, to change up the pace a little bit. But at the same time, I never really liked the rankings. And I do feel like it's a little bit of a crutch at times to fall into the trap that, Tony Khan really like we know that he really likes numbers and he really likes spreadsheets and it can work really well if it's applied in the right way but it can also just become kind of a boring booking scenario where like I could see them falling into a trap where they just go well we need to have this person win matches for the sake of getting numbers so let's put them on rampage and have them up against nobodies the way that they used to do with AEW dark or like you know AEW dark elevation where suddenly it's like oh that person's got a you know a 15 and one 
record right now, they, that puts them in line for a TNT title shot. And it's like, well, who did they beat out of those 15? Did they beat Mike Seidel on an episode of Rampage? I don't fucking care, you know? So I'm hoping that they don't have that issue. I'm hoping that it's more fluid, a little less rigid, and it's not necessarily like, well, Hangman Adam Page has one less win than Wardlow, so he he can't get that title shot. But then it kind of defeats the purpose of the rankings a little bit, doesn't it? Kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, I think that if you are going to implement a ranking system, you need to commit to it pretty wholeheartedly. Like, you can't just, like, draw in and out the lines as in which you please, because that's the same thing that we've always criticised WWE for, with the things like, oh, if you're going to have a brand split, you can't have people jumping between brands all the time. Like, then what's the point of having the brand split? What's the point of having the rankings if you're not going to use them to determine who your championship challengers are? That's... That's basically how it will work. And yeah, you can say that they might try and pad rankings by by putting random matches with like lesser down guys that you know they're going to lose to on Rampage. My argument to that being is that they're doing that already. So why not just attach numbers to it? Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I think that for me personally, I think the rankings overall is a good idea. I think it's good to, um, as a way of distinguishing themselves from WWE and to always put forward the message that should be there that wins and losses do matter and i I hope that at least they utilize the rankings in a way which is kind of like like tournament styley in a way but not really just always having to do tournaments which is like you do you rack up the wins you rack up the bigger victories against you know lower rung guys that you're invariably going to win against which is just how wrestling's always worked it's just like you typically just put preliminary guys to help give the top guys more shine just match quality is better now across the board but the difference being is that okay once you've established okay this this guy has got a good number of wins and this guy's got a good number of wins well now they've got to fight each other in order to determine which one of those two guys is going to face the the, the champion or like two or three guys or four guys or however they want to do it it's a case of okay once you've done that you have to beats whoever the top guy is and then it kind of that guy it's kind of like not so much like right down to the ground and start again but it's kind of like okay this is your big opportunity you missed it and now someone else in the meantime is building up their own win streak and maybe you've got to be cycled back down or like will get lost in the shuffle a little bit before you then start get, picking up wins and can make your way to a potential number one contenders opportunity in the future as well so I think that if you treat it that way and make sure that it leads to big matches on television between potential contenders to then lead to big matches on either television or pay-per-view between uh, contenders and champions, then you can really uh, make the title matches feel more uh, sought after and valuable and must-see rather than just a thing that just happens on television every now and again. But I also do agree that there should be at least one title, whether you whether it's a TNT title, whether it's the international title, and for the winning, if it's a TBS title, that should be a bit more open in terms of their challenging. Like, so you can cons- consistently still have title matches on TV because they they can be fun to have. How do you feel about that rankings thing, Rob? You think it's a uh... Do you think it's a trap? you think it's something that's going to improve things? I think it's, it's, I think it's important you. for this company. They need to reestablish their roots. I understand your point about not really vibing with it, but I think if they create the Calumps as a title, 
you know, like if the international title is rankings free and just open challenge based or the TNT title is open challenge based, I think you can still have the best of both worlds. And I think it would establish if you do them monthly, it establishes who is top challenger this month and who to keep on your radar for the rest of the year. So I think it's a smart way of doing things. I'd also make the um, the argument in the same way that you did earlier. It's the case of you need to differentiate yourself from WWE. And if people who are typically more WWE leaning or more um, in line with the WWE production or the way that they do pro wrestling or sports entertainment and you look at the rank system and feel like, oh, I, I don't sure I vibe with that, then it's kind of a sign that's for AEW that they're going in the right direction because they're distinguishing themselves from WWE. You kind of want the people that are more just like super integrated into the way WWE does pro wrestling to look at that and either not like it or be like intrigued by it rather than rather than the other way around. Like if they if they immediately like accept it, say, oh, that's a really good idea, then you kind of feel like, oh, why did like a WWE a super WWE fan is likes this? That's like WWE already doing. So yeah. I think I think even if there will be kinks of it, still obviously be kinks of it. There's kinks in it, every single uh, system, and loads of other companies have tried to do a ranking system in the past, and there there's always invariably flaws with it. And there were flaws with the first time that AEW did it as well. But I think that and right now your your primary goal should be reestablish the roots that AEW is built on and differentiate yourself from WWE in as many ways as you possibly can. There's at least a lot of potential to it, even if it's not necessarily, you know, your favorite thing, like, you know, it's not my favorite thing, but if done well, it could be a really good thing for them. And I'm hoping that it's better than it was the last time. I hope that they like, they learn their lessons from what it was prior and that it's just I, sort of, you know, in the good system like that. My hope is that Tony Khan, I know he's a big numbers guy, but he's also surrounding himself with other numbers guys that can keep them in check for this. And maybe the, um, in some ways, the uh, Continental Classic was kind of the, the groundwork for this to, for for a, a long-term return of the ranking system. Is, uh, is there any kind of indication of like how, because I, I actually like skipped through Dynamite quit so, it this week. Um, so January thirty first. Thirty first is when they're going to like restart. Is it restarting with like zeroed out, or is it going so, to be? So I mean, technically, they're they're still getting numbers at the start of this year. So because they've already been saying stuff on uh, Rampage, not on Rampage on the uh, on Dynamite and other shows about how they're like free and O, like both Swerve and Hangman are free and O at the start of the year. So on the thirty first January is when they're going to do the first announcement of what the rankings are. So where people are positioned on the rankings based on their current win-loss records from the start of this year. But as was before the case, all, all uh, win-loss records reset at the start of the year. So that means that Page right now is on 3-0, Swerve is on 3-0. Nothing they did prior to the start of 2024 will count into their rankings. Hmm. Oh, we'll see uh, how the rankings end up uh, influencing some of the booking and if we had any kind of easier booking or if it ends up being more confusing than anything else. Uh, I guess let's talk about this one. Uh, this could have been another big one as well, but um, 
let's get into the WWE 2K24 covers. Cody Rhodes, the cover art for the main standard edition. Bianca Belair and Ray Ripley on the was it the special edition? I forget the naming that they're calling it. The deluxe um, edition, I think. Deluxe yeah, edition, yeah, that's right. And then there's the 40 years of WrestleMania uh little cover that they've got going on here for it's not really like, you know, the same kind of uh thing, but it is something that they decided, you know, who's going to be on this for uh 2K24. And First things first, Cody. I, I think we probably would all agree it makes perfect sense for him to be on it, right? Yeah, it felt like that's where they were going from the beginning. So I'm glad that he gets his cover. He finishes the story in that way because not a lot of people would know this, but when AEW was building towards the announcement of Fight Forever and Cody was still working there, obviously, Cody openly talked about wanting to be the sole star of the poster. And he openly said on the AEW Unrestricted podcast that that was something he wasn't necessarily down with about AEW was how they they kind of get everybody on their posters. He really likes that idea of, no, you're the guy. You're the one on the poster. So I'm sure this is means a lot for him. Yeah, I mean, if um, if you essentially there's like a one A and one B choice for these ones. If you're not going to go Roman on the cover, then Cody is the next is the is the absolute right choice. Um, yeah, and Cody is the baby face out of those two, so you probably should lean with uh, Cody as the as the cover star. I think Bianca and Rhea makes perfect sense for those two. They were both champions for the majority of the year. They both had great runs leading up to that they're both stars of you know we've had uh very few women that have been able to reach the level that they are at that's cool to get some women on the thing too they are the first two women i there's so many of these first right but like (laughs) they are in fact the first two women to be exclusively on a wrestling game cover of just women you know, Becky got it, but she shared it with Roman. Uh, they've had other women in the past, like Tori Wilson's been on covers with all the other men. You know, Luna Vachon was on the cover of WDF Raw, but they had the distinction of saying, we are the only two on this cover, and we've done that now for women, which is great, except for the fact that physical media is dying. <laughs> I don't know how you get your hands on covers that aren't just the standard cover. Like you can't go to the store and buy the deluxe edition. You can't go to the store and buy the 40 years of WrestleMania edition. You can? You, you can maybe order it online. I'm guessing that's what they're gonna do, but like you can't go to you know like GameStop or something and if if you're gonna buy a physical copy of the game, it's gonna be the standard edition cover. I mean it, it's kind of just more of a just a mark of because like, as I say if you buy it on like the store or anything like that you're still going to see the cover when you open the game and if you bought the digital or bought the deluxe version then you'll see the um, the first thing you'll see when you like, 
scan over to it on your like PlayStation or Xbox or whatever will be like a shot of Bianca and Rhea in. See, that's false. No, the icon's going to be the standard. No, the icon will be the standard, but then you'll go. Uh, I, I guess so. I guess I guess there is an argument to that as well, but but uh, really, because specifically for this, because you don't normally get this. For this, there's so many girls that are like, no, I want to buy that version and I want that cover. So I hope they have this figured out where they can do that because that cover is going to sell like hotcakes. <laughs> I always thought that was such a funny phrase because it's like, who's out there being like, man, I'm selling so many pancakes. <laughs> like, <laughs> the new like, day. Yeah, I guess I do, Dave. But yeah, it's a, that's always been one of those old timey phrases that I'm like, at some point, somebody was just like, we can't sell enough of these flapjacks, you know? <laughs> By the way, they're pancakes. Call them flapjacks. I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, but I also think it's interesting the people that they chose for the 40 years of WrestleMania, because I'm going to nitpick, because what the fuck? That's what I do. I don't like that there is an uneven amount of people. Uh, like there's Charlotte on the right side, then there's HBK and Triple H on the left. And it's like you could add another person in there. Why didn't you? It's almost like you purposely didn't, which is kind of weird. But I'd have rearranged a couple little people. I'd have, uh, you know, maybe put instead of Brock opposite of The Rock, maybe put Austin there, maybe put John Cena in Stone Cold's spot and have uh, Brock around the uh, Bret Hart range and. Maybe take Charlotte off, or maybe add another woman in there to to offset oh, Charlotte okay. or something. But why would you add another woman in there? Because right now you got two on the left and one on the right. Sasha Banks ain't with the company. These are all headliners. Yeah, but if they have Rhea uh, on there, because they've got She's Bianca. She's not a headliner. She hasn't made invented. Oh, that's only what they're doing is that for the women. Okay, so you can't put Ronda on there then. Yeah, so take a. Uh, some people and shift them around a little bit. I don't know. Maybe the only put- thing, the only change I would make is add Cody, and I'd make that. I, I said this to Tony privately, but I'd make that the cover of the game, the actual cover of the game. You get the best of everything, and then you get the lapsed fan who will see that icon or that cover and say, "You know, I got like it's on sale. I'm gonna pick up the WWE game because." I see Hulk Hogan on the cover and I used to love Hulk Hogan or I see Austin on the cover and I used to love Austin. I think they're leaving some money on the table there, but I understand why. Be cool if they would have uh, had Macho Man in there. Yeah, that was my prediction. Macho instead of Andre. But I understand why Andre. Yeah, I mean, you can't really go against the Andre thing with uh, Andre and Hogan. Anybody you think should have been on there? Uh, you know, a missing element or anything along those lines, Gal? I mean, uh, I don't care enough to suggest one. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, I think it'll be quite interesting to see what, what, how they do this like 40 years WrestleMania uh, mode if they, like you say, if if, if uh, Sasha Banks ends up being Mercedes Monet in AEW instead, then they can't do Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. They'll do Bianca and Becky at 38. They just won't do the main yeah. event. And then you can't do the very first women's main event because Ronda's not in the company. And she's, I'm guessing you she, she, they, they might get a deal. Ronda. 
well, yeah, they don't need to work out a separate deal with her. So, like, they can use her likeness in the game. And if that, she agrees to that, then they can do the WrestleMania 35 main event. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, what names they can and can't get based on, like, who's got commitments to what company. It's interesting because, like, the 30 years of WrestleMania from 10 years ago, like, that had Edge in the game. You probably won't be there. That had uh, Ric Flair Macho Man, Ric Flair Shawn Michaels. That probably isn't happening, which is a huge blow to that year. But actually, I don't know. I guess, unfortunately, your WrestleMania 24 representation is probably important Cena Triple H because you can't do Edge and Taker either. Unless they had worked on that enough that they just kind of have Edge in the game and they're not really advertising it. Because you got to figure this was also in a uh, development before Edge. That is true. Man. That is true. We're, yeah, we're told, it's all dependent on contracts and whether like AEW would, uh, like as part of like him signing a deal with AEW, that his likeness can't be used in any WWE media at the moment, or for like their games or anything along those lines. But you know, probably with his status, he probably would have allowed like had a contract which would have allowed that to happen if he so wished to. So we'll see. We don't know about things like can any of. Um, Daniel Bryan's moments be shown in that. Obviously, we know now that CM Punk can. So, yeah, it's, they can't obviously do a good portion of those main events. You know, you can't get something like the Chris Benoit moment and be like, "Yeah, you're gonna celebrate that?" Like, no, <laughs> no, they're not going to. And uh, you know, I mean, when it comes to trying to do like a big 40 years of WrestleMania thing. If they're missing even one, it's going to feel awkward, but they got to do what they got to do. So, yeah. Well, so it's been released. It's been released in March, right? March 8th. Yeah. So it's happening before WrestleMania 40. Yeah. So 39 years of WrestleMania. (laughs) So so the thing is like 40 years of WrestleMania, celebrate four years of WrestleMania. Hey, here's, we've only got matches from the 39 years of WrestleMania. So, is that going to be like an add-on thing? Presumably, they might they might add add on a match from WrestleMania 40 at like post that event once they've decided what it is. Like they are doing with Roman Rock and, or Rhea versus Becky or whatever we expect to happen at uh, they could WrestleMania 40 to just like to just like add that as a DLC on the end of it, so you do get the full 40 years. Because at the moment it's just a case of hey, 40, we're celebrating 40 years of WrestleMania. We only have 39 years of WrestleMania to tell to give you right now. Because you are getting a generic WrestleMania 40 arena with no knowledge of what the actual arena will look like. So there are just a few ways they, they can play with this. I'm excited. I think, I think it's a good way to go for the build to the game this year. It's so much different now. They used to announce these things months in advance, and now it's like you get about five weeks from announcement to playtime. All right, so we we gotta get this. Now let's sit. Now let's sit down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We danced around it long enough. I guess we should be adults now. Let's put it this way: we we did fifty five minutes of this podcast so far. We've been doing a lot of uh, two hour kind of edition hot tags, and it's almost like all right, hour two. Like, we're night two of uh, hot tag land. We're 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 going smart. It's smart talk underground now. Yeah. This is. This is going to be a lot to talk about for all three of these topics. 
Number one, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has not only gotten ownership of The Rock moniker, but he has joined the board of directors in TKO. Just going to flat out state that before we start diving into it. Number two, Monday Night Raw, seemingly going to stay on Monday nights, is coming to Netflix in 2025. And along with that, premium live events that are outside of the United States are going to be hosted on Netflix. So WWE Network, gone from that. It's like the end of another era. I haven't found any other information about Peacock and stuff. Again, we'll talk about this in a little bit. That's a big, big topic. And then there's the Vince McMahon of it all, (laughs) which has things that tie into is Brock Lesnar pulled from the Royal Rumble, like Vince McMahon's shirt being pulled. Is this going to lead into some problems with WrestleMania plans? Is he going to be booted from the company? All these other elements to this. Uh, I think the simplest thing for us to do is to talk about Netflix maybe first. Is that someone that has like less of a tie in with like the board of directors stuff? Well, I mean, I mean, we can start with that. I would have thought the simplest one to talk about is Dwayne Rock Johnson joining the board of directors. Cause I mean, just from my perspective and you might have a completely different view, but my, my perspective is, Oh, cool. Dwayne Rock Johnson joined the, um, joined the WWE board of directors. Okay. Let's move on. Um, because it's just a case of, okay, he's there now. And you know, it's a big deal because, he gets this uh, big position. He got all of his um, everything attached to the Rock name given t- to him, which is obviously a huge deal for him. It means he can utilize that for his own ventures moving forward. But I just feel like it's just another really big name who's clearly attached to been attached to WWE for his entire career, just joining the board of directors. I don't see any kind of massive long term ramifications to it at least not yet, because he's just a member of the board like a lot of other nameless faces on that board, except that we know his name and his face. I, I like it. I think it's a great move. I think it's a it's an interesting move now with, the, with all the icky stuff out there, but, like, this feels right. I don't know how it is going to be handled going forward. But this feels right. I think that it's really interesting that the whole, like, Nick Khan's a family friend from when they were younger. Nick Khan comes in out of nowhere to this company. The immediate thing is, like, starts circling the idea that they're going to sell the company. They boot out Barrios and Wilson, Nick Khan just continually gets more and more power. The Rock buys the XFL. And then, like, now it's like The Rock is on the TKO board of directors after they sold and all. It feels like it's just like, yeah, okay, this has been the plan from the start. Of, like, right before the pandemic, it seems like, okay, the end game is you're going to have these people and they're going to be in positions of power and all. And I'm not opposed to the rock being a part of that by any means. Um, I just kind of feel like maybe the way that all this went down, is a little bit like suspicious and odd, you know, I I don't like when people do these kind of things and it's like, Oh, it just happened to that. Didn't 
nah, you you know what you're doing. But I'm glad he got the ownership of the Rock name. It's stupid that he didn't have it. I know that WWE, of course, wants to keep the trademark so they can, you know, continue to make money off of it. But at a certain point, just fucking give it up. Like, let Ric Flair keep the woo from, you know, for the fuck that he does and stuff. He gets to his spot. Very quick mention. His daughter, Ava, is the youngest general manager in NXT history or youngest general manager in WWE history at this point. Uh, William Regal returned this week on NXT. And it's like, oh, man, Regal's back, but he's back to tell Ava, good job. Nepotism <laughs> works fast. It does. Yeah. Yeah. We told Charlie Dempsey that, though. Like. <laughs> Um, with the rock being a part of the board of directors, I don't want to put too much of this out there and then be disappointed, but that and the Netflix deal. And also, I mean, we should talk about this whole sports illustrated thing. Sports Illustrated's like, uh, was it, it was a uh, Brasso, Justin Brasso that had reported so, it, yeah. uh, where they were like, Hey, by the way, the plan for WrestleMania is Gunther is going to go up against Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship. CM Punk's going to fight Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns is going to fight The Rock. And my immediate reaction was, oh, you just watched Raw and you just, uh, you know, had that whole like light bulb moment. You figured you put it out there. I think we might have touched on this on the predictions, but I was saying before I had felt even more of a likelihood that Cody Rhodes could go up against uh, Roman Reigns. And now with The Rock being a part of the board of directors, I know there's some people that are immediately saying, well, he's going to book himself for the main event of WrestleMania and it's going to be this whole thing and all. I don't think that that's the case. I actually think that's the opposite. I think that The Rock being a part of the board of directors and all this stuff happening around now takes him out of the running to be the headliner of the Hall of Fame that I was thinking he could have potentially done. And I still kind of think it's going to be Batista. Uh and I think that that means that they will hold off on The Rock against Roman Reigns either for WrestleMania next year or maybe if they plan on doing it at another show that they really want to make like a super special thing. I don't know what that would necessarily be. But now I feel like if The Rock were to just be like, and I'm not only a board of director member, but I'm also going to be taking Cody's spot and putting in the main event of WrestleMania, I don't think that's the right time to do it. So that makes me feel a little bit more confident that maybe Cody is going to finish the story in a you know a couple months. My argument to that is it's silly to think that that's really a problem. Hunter was on the board of directors forever, wasn't he? He was still an active wrestler. Like we know yeah, what no, the Rock I, is I, doing. Yeah, everyone knew that he was booking himself into, or at least like cajoling and backstage in his way into the top positions. And, and by the way, the board of directors ain't booking shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the only one uh, that is, or the only one that would be is Triple H because he's head of creative. So, but they have influence. Yeah, but most of them, like most people, would be in the in the Rock's position. Just want to see, you know, just interested in like profits going up and the overall like operation of the company, more from like a metric standpoint rather than a what is actually being outputted standpoint. Obviously, the Rock might have a a different approach to it as a form of format himself. But, um, but yeah, I, I kind of see it more as this is a this is one of the ventures that he's going to be looking into once he decides that he's going to start winding down his acting career. 
and he just like gone the gone the start of it now because he's going to get thirty million dollars worth of shares over the course of I think it's like four installments of seven and a half million dollars each um, over time. So yeah, he so it's going to have that foothold while he's continuing to act because I assume that's still his. Yeah, he's he's indi- given no indication that he's slowing down from that front. So I think that's still his top priority. Still got things like the XFL to worry about. Well, I say the XFL, it's whatever this like super USL. unified, yeah, USL uh, sport uh, alternative is. Um, yeah, so I think that he's got plenty of other hands in the fire still, and WWE is just now he's ne- he's now just like permanently attached himself to to WWE and TKO, which is yeah. Say I'm not saying that um, it probably was very strategically planned with Nick Khan's position of power now in the company and. Ari Emanuel and a lot of other people that would have wanted to have someone like fundamentally if you if the arguably the most famous man in the world wants to be a board director on your company you're more likely going to take it I mean he's got obviously he has his own production companies and stuff so he has his influence in uh, business that way and he's you know got like a jillion followers on Instagram yeah he's got (laughs) popularity behind him he's well spoken he's somebody that other than this whole Hawaii situation had been like pretty much Teflon for like a public Im- image. And then he's, you know, former history of WWE makes him much easier to market in that way too. Like this makes sense across the board, but it remains to be seen like who does what on this board because uh, I'll put a pin in it. Cause I'll, uh, you know, we're going to talk about yeah. the Vince thing, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll say that to last year. Yeah. The, there, there's something about Vince's clause that I find interesting to talk about that, you know, how much influence does people, do people certainly have. Um, but the Netflix thing, though, one of the things I have in mind when it comes to the Rock thing and all, they might be wanting to have the Rock versus Roman Reigns on the first Netflix, one of that, to really just be like, let's boost those numbers for when we go over to Netflix. I'm very curious what happens with Peacock and all of this, because... Peacock's dead and thrown until March 26th. 26th, not 25th. Yeah. Uh, okay. So they can't So they can't really talk about it yet. So, so with the kind of the additional pages, I mean, talk about with the US stuff, it's all going live in um, in January 25th, and the same thing with the international, but the international one is along the lines of you get you get Netflix is going to be the home not only of Raw but also SmackDown and NXT. Oh, and and Netflix will also be the home of all of the international pay per views. So basically, the WWE Network internationally is about to die, um, and Netflix will be the new destination for all of that stuff instead. So essentially, Netflix will become our peacock with also the TV content. Yep, all TV content. Is that going to be live Good. for the TV content internationally? Yeah, yeah. everything's going to be live. So you just you have your Netflix subscription and you're good for everything. Yeah, I presume that's I presume that's going up significantly by the time that uh, by the time twenty twenty five rolls around. It kind of seems like that's the case just everywhere. I mean, like Netflix, every couple months, it's like, hey, you know, like the Disney Plus thing where they're like. We're going to add another dollar. And you're like, motherfuckers, we don't want to do that. Then they're like, yeah, but you know what? How about we have a second dollar? Like, so this, this is for like a dark cast when we're just 
shooting the shit. But I did the math uh, yesterday on how much I'm actually paying in monthly subscription fees. It's scary, folks. Is that for all just like economy? streaming, yes, or is it for all things like for Adobe and for for streaming for music for Patreon? It's scary, folks. Dudefleece.com. <laughs> Not yet. It's scary, folks. <laughs> Beware of your wallet. They've at least been nice enough to reimburse for the Dudefleece. I mean, let's talk about the deal a bit more strictly. So the deal itself is a 10-year deal, at least like on the surface immediately. 10-year deal worth $5 billion. It's a, isn't, it, isn't it a five-year deal with the option of continuing five no. more? It's a ten. It's a, it's a ten, ten year, year deal, deal with, with Netflix having, yeah. Netflix can opt out after five years. Oh, okay, that's what um, it is. Yeah. And and the other thing is that um, if Netflix are happy with the deal, very happy with how things are going, they can then further extend the deal another ten years. So it can be at maximum a twenty year deal, which is insane. Like yeah, that's we, the whole idea of us being like, oh, Monday Night Raw is on USA for basically most of it, and then you skip forward twenty years from now, it might be like. Oh, that's interesting that they used to be on USA because it's just that's the we'll Netflix our, thing. Yeah. Calum and I will be in our fifties. You'll be in your sixties. Oh, so, uh, you think I'm going to be alive by then? <laughs> Give me a lot of credit there. Well, uh, somebody has to. <laughs> but they're getting paid handsomely for this. I mean, this is basically dollars, dude. Like their previous deal was uh, somewhere around two hundred and fifty to two hundred and sixty million per year, and it's going to be four hundred million. Well, I. I need to need to we need to caveat some of this a little bit. So essentially, yes, they are obviously getting this, but on the face value, they are getting this big increase in all these deals. But the previous deal was just for Raw on the USA network, whereas this deal is for Raw to be on Netflix potentially in perpetuity for twenty years, and every single basically there there's no more deals with international. Um, broadcasters anymore because every other like international thing outside of a couple of markets is going to fall under the Netflix for that particular country. So we have to kind of count about it to the fact that like they haven't just signed away just raw for this five hundred million uh, dollar yeah. fee. They signed away all of their international broadcast rights to Raw SmackDown NXT as well on top of that. So I think that um, both um uh, Dave Meltzer and uh, who's uh, the WrestleNomics guy? Brandon Thurston. Yeah, Brandon Thurston looked into this, and they kind of have balanced out that it's somewhere between a kind of 20, 22 to thirty percent increase in the rights, which is still it's still an increase, but it's not as substantial as people think it might be when you when you kind of break it down to what the raw side of things would be. But still, obviously, it's still vast sums of money that normal people like us cannot even quantify or fathom being involved in. But I think that I still think it's a great deal because just because of the Netflix name and the partnership involved with it, and there this being their first real venture into streaming, obviously Netflix is going to put a lot into it because this is kind of their first real foray into the live sports aspect as well. So they're going to try and champion the hell out of this because they probably see this as a gateway into signing more quote-unquote recognised sports such as whether it's baseball, 
basketball, football, soccer, anything along those lines, this is kind of a good testing ground for it. Because like you look at like WWE, WWE's going to get five million, five billion for this particular deal. When you look at how much the NFL is worth, oh, that's the deals, like like somewhere in like the hundred and twenty billion dollar range. Like the Premier League in like the UK has like multi billions attached to it in different areas as well. It's like so yeah, there there there's different there are different uh, levels to this game, and uh, so yeah, I think that. Overall, both sides would be happy with this deal for different reasons. It's a little bit of like security too that it's like it's Netflix. It's not, yeah. Peacock when it was starting out, yeah, what's NBC Universal and all, but Peacock is just sort of nobody. If you say to somebody, name a streaming service, you pull a hundred people. I highly doubt there's more than ten at most that would be like, oh, Peacock. They're going to say Netflix. They're going to say Amazon Prime. They're going to say HBO Max because they're going to say HBO Max, not Max, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, they would say Disney Plus, you know, and then they would end. There'd be a, more of a group of people that would be into saying something like Crunchyroll or like Shudder or something than they would say Peacock, most likely. And Netflix is the thing. Like, that's the one that started it all. If you get to say that you are tied into Netflix, it makes it look like, well, the big one wanted us not to be or you know hey we we got a big deal with the plex free shit that comes on there or yeah any of that kind of garbage like they're on netflix it's you know uh, if anybody has a streaming service they're more likely to have netflix and then if they have a second one they're most likely to have like disney plus or something too you know, I know we're subscribed to Netflix. I don't know on what tier, but we don't have the ads. Congratulations, you're actually paying for some- <laughs> Yeah, because my wife is. <laughs> Let's put it this way. My wife is subscribed to Netflix and Shutter and uh, Amazon Prime, and I'm subscribed to Peacock. <laughs> so, um, through your cable. <laughs> partially through that. <laughs> and partially because I can write it off of my taxes at the end of the year. Uh, but that's one thing to talk about, though, as far as like the different tiers the ad free tier and the commercials. And the one thing that seems to be the idea going forward is no commercials on the ad free tier. We won't get commercials on Monday night raw anymore. Instead, what we'll get is okay. Well, we're going to have to have a commercial break here. So we're not going to put a match here. So we're going to do a video package while we have the Netflix crew is watching a commercial the same as what we hit of like on the pay-per-views where it's like for anybody who's subscribed to peacock premium plus or whatever the other p's are the public uh you know pineapple something <laughs> uh for anybody who's like subscribed to the ad free tier check out this video package of kevin owens and then for everybody else you get some stupid ad for ihop or whatever and uh it seems like if they decide to do that on matches we're going to get that type of thing where the match is going to continue and maybe they're just not going to do anything all that important so we're going to be like yay we get to watch the headlock for three minutes but i will much rather see that than to have the amount of commercials that are out there now like i tweeted out the other day i am fine with never fucking hearing that forever say one in a billion thing ever again in my fucking life so that's kind of cool Commercials changing up like that. I mean, yeah, that's how 
Callum watches Dynamite. That's how I watch Dynamite. Um, it's a great way to watch wrestling to not be interrupted by commercials. Because I don't care how good the match is. I have no interest in being picture in picture and hearing, you know, oh, vaping causes <laughs> cancer or whatever. It's that's like, metal in your lungs. <laughs> I was going to say little lungs are great. Like, well, that's, uh, thank God they don't do that crap anymore. <laughs> The two biggest not- triggers for me, Little Lungs in a Great Big World, and the man, can we rally thing from the, uh, was it the Mike's Heart Lemonade or whatever it was? Um, I hope they would continue to, to, to do matches through these commercial breaks because it's like, it's fun when they do it from the AEW standpoint because then that's when Taz and Excalibur just go off. They go nuts on commentary because they're just joking around with each other for like three minutes yeah, or whatever, but- and then you. But nobody gets to hear that because they have to hear. Well, no, but that would be the incentive to get the ad free tier. That's that so you can true. hear that. So, that like, like fundamentally, it's no incentive to me if I'm going to be watching, or I'm going to just have three minutes of adverts on loop when I'm watching live, or I have three minutes of on mute, um, seeing a video package on Rhea Ripley that I've seen thirty times before, on other or whatever other uh, live show I've been watching. So, so yeah, like I hope that they would come up with something interesting enough to make those few minutes worthwhile but i can understand the approach of not wanting to do that while matches are happening um i don't think and some people probably have put this idea in the world and i'm sure they've tried to will this into existence but i do not think this is going to change the three hour thing oh no it's not going to change it three hours is going to stay yeah you guys are haters (laughs) <laughs> you guys are putting negative vibes into the world. I think we need to stop. And we need to just hope that we get two hours of Raw, please. Well, there's no... I mean, I say that, like, people put it out there that in the case that if it's streaming now and it's a case of they're just going on a model based on subscriptions, then there's no real incentive to add it. But then if they are still going to run commercials on the commercial version, then there's still a commercial incentive to have more commercial slots in there. So, of course, they will stick it to the three hours. That's what they're used to anyway. The only difference probably be is that they won't really care about any overruns for the live thing because there's no show coming up after after it. So they could just get, get on and do it. So realistically, the more likelihood is that you're going to see a lot more shows that go longer than three hours. And that's something that's interesting, too, because if they're not beholden to that, what else are they not beholden to? Or are they not beholden to the PG kind of thing? Is it going to be easier on Netflix to advertise for different audiences where they can just be like, yeah, we can say the word shit. I mean, I've seen uh, the WWE have tried to move things towards more of like TV 14 thing, but apparently the primary reason for that is so they don't have to bleep the crowds saying things like holy shit and stuff. Oh, it was awful on uh, NXT this week. Mm. It was impossible to even hear some of the promos because every single thing, if you're going to say like, you know, they, uh, Welcome everybody to the Hot Tags podcast. It was like, well, pot. It's nothing, but it's like legible, or not legible, uh, audible for like three different segments. But um, that's something that's like you know, when it comes to the commercial stuff and the advertisements, we don't know how that's going to factor in, and we we're not going to know even when it happens because realistically, they're not going to tell us all that information, but. There's also, like, what do they do with the live replay function? 
Does Netflix have that set up? I've never watched anything on Netflix Live, so... Neither have I. Yeah, it's not really something they do particularly often. So... So yeah, it'll be a, an interesting... I'd say I think it's going to be as much a kind of experiment and a change of pace for them as well. I'm more interested about the thing about how they're going to deal with like, archive content. If they're porting all... Like, WWE Network is going to cease to exist. If they're porting all the stuff from WWE Network into Netflix, like, it's almost needed its own like, mini-site in itself, really. Is there going to be like, like a... I have it on Peacock, where it's just like a mini... WWE has gone section yeah they're probably gonna have to do that for netflix as well so you would see the things at the top of like you know the whether it's like i, don't, I can't remember exactly it's like movies or tv shows or whatever and then just have one that just says wwe or or they might have one that just eventually says like live sport when they if they potentially are able to get other um other franchises and groups to um to broadcast this stuff for netflix as well so so yeah, they'll need to find a way to incorporate all that stuff. That's a lot of content to put onto an already super heavy content, like content heavy uh, website. Maybe they can get rid of all those thousands upon thousands of movies and shows that nobody gives a shit about where you end up, you do a search for like the letter S because you're looking for stranger things. And then you're like, who's watching, uh, you know, this like, well, you know, we're going to do those movies where it's kind of like, um, the movie Thor comes out, so then they have Almighty Thor come out at the same time, and it's like you're just trying to screw people over and get them to buy the DVD at the bargain bin. Like you don't need that shit on Netflix; nobody cares. All those free uh, things, uh, those for the free streaming services, where they're like, we have thousands of titles on here, and you're like, yeah, you got them all for a penny each. Nobody cares. Yeah, but but people like Tubi. I uh, I think to uh, not Tubi is a much better idea. But well, then again, I like Hamlet, so uh, I just uh, googled by the way, on uh, Netflix. It says back the report, the Sports Illustrated. Yeah, yeah. He, um, I mean, he was just sort of like, it's. Uh, I've been fed bad information, and yeah, all sides point to Rhodes finishing the story. I apologize. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, all the more makes me go like, okay, cool. Maybe we should do that. Um, which might now, you know, I didn't fill out my one to 30 and all that stuff for the Royal Royal Predictions contest, which remember everybody, you can do that. Uh, now I'm like, shit, should I go with Cody? Um, but I did uh, just Google, does Netflix have live stream? And the first thing that comes up on here is like uh, under their help page. It says live events allow you to rewind, pause, play from the beginning or jump to live at any point during the live stream and can also be watched afterward. Make sure your device is running the latest version of the app to watch live. So it seems like they already have that in place, which I mean, is I mean, better that's, for that's a couple of live events. I just haven't watched them. I mean, I mean, I'd say that's pretty industry standard. If they weren't able to do, if they're like one of the industry leaders and they weren't capable of doing that, I'd be pretty suspect of it. Well, that's what Peacock had that issue for, however many months. Remember, they yeah, were like, Peacock's "Oh, Peacock. we're yeah, like we're gonna." Netflix. We're going to be like, uh, by SummerSlam, we'll have this and whatever. And you're like, no, no, you didn't. I've, I've watched a lot of uh, live sporting events through Amazon. And Amazon has that capability to do the, um, like, to watch from. Basically, whenever you, if you've started watching and clicked off for whatever reason to go somewhere else, in case of, like, you go back on it, it says you can, like, watch from where you pause from wherever you stopped watching. Or you can watch it from the beginning or you can watch it live. Just gives it all that option. So I'd, I presume, well, you'd hope that Netflix can do the same thing. 
Um, in terms of like another like big thing to discuss about it, um, actually a, a pop quiz question for both of you. For um, <laughs> when does the current uh, raw deal with uh, USA Network end? October, and they have no idea where it's going to air. Exactly. Which it's going to wait. It's going to end in October, and this doesn't start until January. Yep, Correct. USA have already said to uh, already said to Brandon Thurston that they are not planning on extending Raw to beyond the uh, the twenty twenty four, the October twenty twenty four end date. So yeah, so between the deal ending with USA and January twenty five, as it stands right now, there is no destination for where no we'll be airing. That's absolutely absurd. What the hell? What are they gonna yeah, do? Like, well, I mean, they said that they will announce uh, what the resolution will be in due course. I would love it if that their solution is that they're going to put Raw on YouTube for, <laughs> for a couple of months. If you think about it, though, that would be great for us. It's just on YouTube, and you can just pause, rewind, and it, it'll be there in your liked videos or whatever. That'd be I mean, great, I- as I said, they might be able to negotiate with Netflix, but there must be a reason why they've specifically said that they're going to in January 2025 when they knew that this, this deal would be up in. So that must be when Netflix said, okay, that's when you can come on. So there must be, so whether they can sort something out with Netflix to get on earlier than that or not, but there must be a reason why they've specified that date on there. So we don't know when in January yet. We don't know if it's January 1st. We don't know if it's January 31st. That's really interesting. I it would be the first week in january yeah that, that's what the assumption like the way that it's all shaking you, but, out at least yeah that's the assumption so as i say but but still saying like january 25 is like somewhat vague because like there are 31 days in january it could be it could be any one of them as far as we know at this point in time what's uh, uh so january the first episode of raw would be january 6th yeah hmm. so yeah i mean that would be as I said, they'd want to try and make that show as big as possible when it's already on the lead up to the Royal Rumble. I mean, obviously, I'm interested to a degree because as someone who doesn't really watch WWE regularly, it's a more digestible way to watch it if it's on a streaming platform than having to get a cable provider, which I, I, don't, I haven't really had like cable TV in years and years and years. So, um, so, so yeah, I say it might make me more intrigued to at least watch the first one to see how the Netflix approach changes things. But it'd be interesting to see how it reflects on sort of, um, I guess, things like uh, SmackDown and NXT as well, because of course they'll be added to it through this, but they'll also be at the same time broadcast on uh, very different channels, TV networks. So the advertising thing on that will be more pronounced because they will still be having. Uh, commercials on uh, the CW or um, or the US or USA. So interesting how that one kind of the interoperability between Netflix and the others. So we'll see how that works. Um, Curious why they wouldn't have the deal with Netflix be like okay, but it starts that week after the USA one ends. Like why does Netflix not want to start earlier? Well, I mean, Netflix won't be ready by that point. With what they need to have in place to to stream it properly. Maybe they're weirdos and they're like, nope. If we're going to enter an agreement, it has to be on January first. Maybe just for like, well, you know, tax purposes or something too. 
or maybe it's something that they're planning on introducing like the even the new tiers or things along those lines in the build up to the start of 2025 so yeah like like yeah. just like maybe just like a new year thing they have to do for it so i say they probably it, that's probably something that's dictated by netflix's rules as opposed to wwe i assume in an ideal world wwe wouldn't want to potentially have to take raw off the air for two months that's crazy a really weird uh time because raw's never really stopped ever do you think this um this movie makes raw the a show again yeah because realistically like with the fox thing like the the whole thing was the move to smackdown being the kind of a show with had roman on it and so but now so the likelihood is that probably roman is going back to raw once this deal happens Try they could end up pushing Rock and Roman back for that. I, 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 I think that there's, I think this is a good, this might be a catalyst for the brand split to end. Oh, uh, yeah, that would be really good because if you don't have cable, you don't get to see Roman, or you don't have, you know, Netflix and you don't get to see Becky, like I can see people being really pissed. I, look, I'm going to be honest, I think. The reckoning is coming for these platforms, and a lot of people are pretty much going to throw their hands up in the air soon and just be like, "No, this is too much." Hey, let's not bullshit here. Tony has admitted to it. Let's let's all go back to pirating. You know, like I, <laughs> I fear that this is going to be a move back to piracy for a widespread number of people, and I wouldn't want to see that. But Gotta do what you gotta do, yeah. I mean, there's always a chance that, for instance, uh, if it's on Netflix and stuff, it might be easier. Yeah, we might have that watch party thing on Discord, which is a thing. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, directly say that it's gonna happen, but we'll we'll see about that. But um, I'm expecting once the Peacock deal is over, that that means Netflix gets you know, a little bump up when it comes to that too. And maybe they renegotiate, maybe not. Maybe it ends up being something weird where Peacock is like, no, I want to keep that going. And Netflix isn't interested in bumping up their deal. And we still end up for some reason having, instead of how it's, you know, it sucks now the way that it is, but it's going to be easier and worse in some ways when this transitions. Now we're going to have to go from two things on USA, one thing on Fox and everything else on Peacock. And then if you're in, you know, international markets, of course, it's like different depending on where you are at. But then it's going to be like, all right, CW for NXT and USA for uh, SmackDown and Netflix for the raw stuff and then Peacock for the pay-per-views. So you're going to have two subscriptions and cable to go along with that. That sucks. Actually, it's cable and network. And two subscriptions. Pop that bubble, man. Just put it all on one. I think it's coming. All right, so let's talk about this one. <laughs> if you thought that there wasn't enough with the Vince McMahon lawsuit and the allegations and this whole scandal already, and you know, if you're somebody like TKO that keeps trying to go can you please stop talking about this everybody and can we just ignore it and can we act like nothing's going on well in the past two days there has been 
a leak of sorts of text messages, and then there's more reporting about all this and all. I don't think there's any way that we can do it justice to really say like the just a full TLDR of this and give it the scope of what's going on. Also, I think if we say certain words, it's just going to end up being one of those things that uh, YouTube's like, oh, I don't want to monetize this or something. But if you do a little bit of research, you'll find more information. Talking general terms, it's absolutely disgusting. Like, as if it wasn't disgusting to begin with, things just keep getting more and more deplorable about what this whole situation is. And yes, you have to say the word allegedly with all of this. These are allegations. There is no, you know, that they did their, uh, you know, trial and these found guilty or whatever, but more and more damning evidence of really terrible, terrible things that Vince McMahon supposedly did with uh, Janelle Grant is her name. I don't remember correctly. Um, yes. That. I, like I don't even know where to start with it. Like, there's things that don't matter as much in the grand scheme. Like, oh, it seems like maybe Brock Lesnar might be pulled from the Royal Rumble, and it's like, yeah, in comparison to what this woman potentially went through, doesn't fucking matter if Brock's in the Royal Rumble. And then you get into things like Slim Jim pulled out of the Royal Rumble sponsorship because of all this. I can see why. I don't think you really want people to be snapping into a Slim Jim asking questions about. So is Vince, you know, the type of person who shits on somebody and does this and, you know, the, the way that they do it on TikTok is they tend to say like uh, S.A. and everything like it's is deplorable is the only word I can really think of other than disgusting and terrible and all those other things. It, this is just awful. Yeah. Um it's kind of, yeah, well, it's kind of hard to really quantify. I mean, we all knew, didn't know the specific details that have gone, that have been revealed as part of this uh, latest Wall Street Journal report about what uh, Janelle Grant has said in her lawsuit about what things uh, did and did not um, happen to her uh, with McMahon and other members of his inner circle. And, yeah, I mean... He's been thrown out of the company beforehand. He was voted out of board and then uh, forced his way back into it at the start of last uh, the start of this year. Not not this year, last year. Uh, it's quite early this year to force his way back in. So last year, and yeah, got this TKO deal done, and it kind of was all I would say like swept under the rug. We all knew that it was there, but like things just things move uh, fast paced and we're not really in a position to just like constantly have to be thinking about it or do stuff about it. But this has now brought everything a lot more of a visceral reality to all this stuff. And, and yeah, if any of these alleged instances are accurate or close to accurate, then it just adds a new level of repugnance and absolute horror to the way this this man operates in yeah i think i think that's where we're kind of live now i think just to just so just so also just to cover our backs before we go into a bit more of the actual like details i, I think just just to stay to, uh, 
uh, safety reasons. A spokesman for Vincent Nan on January 20, or uh, 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 a spokesman for Vincent Nan has given the following statement in response to the accusations brought forward against him. Uh, this lawsuit is replete with lies, obscene made up instances that never occurred, and a vindictive distortion of the truth. He will vigorously defend himself. So that is. So that's what his side of it is as well, before we go into further details. Just Which, to make sure that we're covering both sides. Like, it, maybe there's truth to that. But then there's also, how many times do we always hear people go like, no, 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 that's not true. And then you get, like, further, further proof. And, you know, they're not going to be like, yup, it's true. Like, you know, <laughs> they're either going to do the card of, it's not true, don't buy into it, and just hope people accept that excuse like, or they're yeah. going to say we can't comment on that which i'm sure if people ask at the press conference for the royal rumble if people are like they, they have the stones to actually ask about this they're just going to go we can't comment on that but yes sir we totally believe that mr trump never knew that moment woman yeah <laughs> um rob you got the most to lose in this situation what do you think <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you for uh breaking the ice because uh, i'd say the truth like i read because there's the wall street journal report which is which i read and then sent to you and said this is bad very bad and then the full court document gets released and then you read 67 pages of the absolute most depraved inhumane accusations and allegations that I could have ever imagined. This is really damning accusations. This is scary. If this girl truly went through all of this, she is the bravest individual for coming forward. Even if it was half even if it I was mean, a third, even if it was one instance of this, like even if it was just the stuff about using her as a deal sweetener for Lesnar in 2021, like that alone is just mm -hmm. sick. And a but toy you, to be passed around the office with Laurenitis. Get into like, like the all of that. It's just it's sick it's sickening i am still sick to my stomach i've processed this for like 26 hours now it's there's nothing good about this there's nothing defensible about this i i just think that we all need to understand that these allegations it doesn't matter you know what he created or what this girl's safety and well-being and future should come first. And again, if any of these allegations are true, I, I just hope that the absolute full extent of the law is used against everyone involved. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. But you have to treat him as just a man in this situation. Don't think one of the most. If, we, again, uh, again, if alleged things are true, then this is a like absolutely. It's the depiction of a man drunk with the power that he possesses and the position in the financial 
control that he has and the domination over the industry that he is in utilizing that to the fullest extent to basically do whatever he chooses with whoever he deems fit to do so which is something that is very much a thing with yeah across the board when it comes to super rich people like they just they lose their humanity they look at people that are on a lower financial scale than them as less than human and they look at themselves as being untouchable that they are just like entitled to break laws because let's be honest a lot of laws are only illegal to poor people if you got enough money you just pay a fine and then you just keep doing that and they have all these luxuries and they have a different lifestyle than normal people do so then they just think that they're you know that they are like gods and everything. And when you get into the ego element of like, I mean, we've all known that Vince McMahon has a massive ego and his money and his position of power. And based off of things that he's said in the past, the trauma that he's gone through in the past, how many people do you see that have similar or, you know, at least on a similar wavelength situation. And then they pass that trauma on to other people. He is a textbook example of somebody that needs to be psychologically studied for any number of things. borderline personality disorder, bipolar stuff, this like the pride narcissism. element, narcissism. It's like, and none of it, no matter what your situation is. Oh, he's super rich. So that's why it happens. It doesn't explain it. Oh, he had this happen to him in the past. So that's why it doesn't explain it. You do not have the right to treat people like that, no matter what position you're in, no matter who you are. If you're a president, if you're a billionaire, if you're a, you know, if you're, if you're a nobody, not a single person deserves to treat somebody like that. The details of this and the, the smaller things, like, first of all, I, I want to put this out there because I've seen a lot of people try to use this as a way to dunk on people and you are absolutely looking at the wrong thing if you try to dunk on people for what they said even in 2022 it should be clear that it was initially uh framed as like he had an affair and yeah there's some weird stuff with laurenitis and he paid hush money but it was very much framed Correct me if I'm wrong, as he had an affair. It kind of seemed like this was swept under the rug, as in, you don't really know that they're separated, but it's technically in an affair, and he paid hush money, and there's like, uh, yeah, maybe something's going on with Laurenitis, but we don't really know what, and we're curious if the hush money was paid through any WWE means where that could be like a business problem. This turned into... Oh my God, he's trafficking her and absolutely, you know, obsessed with how much control he has over this young girl who, by the way, was not a WWE employee, was somebody that he met in the complex he was living in and she needed a job. And that is how this all got started. It was it was dirty from the beginning and 
the, the more you read the details, I'll say again, the more it just becomes shockingly depraved. And I think that if you, if you're more focused on the, oh, well, you didn't say that before. Everybody is getting on the fuck Vince McMahon train. And I think that's all that matters. Because again, this is the most inhumane thing I've ever read of a person treating another person. By the way, the bulk of this occurred during a global pandemic where clearly we all had a lot more time on our hands and he was using the time he had to do some very, just I keep using the word depraved, but that's the best word I can use to describe it, very depraved actions. And, you know, just kudos to this woman for coming forward and trying to reclaim elements of her life that seem to have been lost in this absolute dumpster fire of a situation. And that's without even getting into the weird shit that involves <laughs> WWE superstars and Vince McMahon relationship to them. Also, it shouldn't be uh, glossed over too that predatory nature of this whole mm-hmm. thing. It's after her parents died. I know. Oh, it, it's definitely the most like disgusting predator. This is way I- past uh villain status in like you know like in movies and stuff like this is just straight up the you know you can you can do documentaries of this stuff and people wouldn't believe it and it's like he and look it's always been a part of the quote-unquote character it's always been in stories that he doesn't like you know sneezing because it's weakness but this takes the whole power dynamic issue that he has in his head to a completely different level because my god to do that to somebody who was just trying to get back on their feet and just there's so many i don't even know where to dive into the specifics here because i don't know what we can and cannot say on youtube but like it's and chilling i think i mean i think we dive deep enough in so we might as well go into at least some specifics about this because i think we've we obviously mentioned the depraved nature and obviously if you want to you can read that the full lawsuit is actually available publicly available so it's like you can go and check it out if you want to see some more of the because it's just as as rob said it's like 67 pages of just absolute horror in many people's in many people's eyes and but because it, it really and i know this sounds cliche and hyperbole but it's not when i say the more you read the more you go oh my god how is this person not paying for this that he has done to just get into the i guess the, the brock of it all to just jump there promised this woman to Brock and he promised sexual favors from the woman as like part of hey re-sign with us because if you remember Brock was legitimately done when he lost to Drew and that that all becomes part of this and 
there's just really disturbing a disturbing telling of Vince role playing as Lesnar with the woman and it's just begin to think this man has really needs to be institutionalized I'm, I'm sorry I'm trying not to be too damning with what I say but like motherfucker this is the worst thing I've ever read in my life like and that like an element like that makes you go oh I need to recontextualize a lot of things yep, like yeah. like oh now it makes a little bit more sense this absolute fascination over Brock and well, now it makes sense when you look at I mean, we've always known that like Vince is weird with this whole like stupid kinky weird shit and all, but it's like, now you look back on some old promos of Stephanie and you're like, Oh God, was he trying to do that with her? And And many people have, many people have pulled up promos with Stephanie, the weird incest angles that he always wanted to do. Like is like what, what else is behind these closed doors? But it's also like recontextualize a lot of things like the story. Yeah, the story of Lesnar walking out on a show when it was announced that Vince was leaving the company. Like, is that was that because of a lot of respect for Vince, or was that because he was fearful of what that ramifications would then fall onto him once Vince was out of the company? I mean, again, I'm just saying this is like this is pure speculation, so right. just pushing that line. Um, is it now somewhat more less coincidental that? Kevin Dunn left a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Does that explain why John Laurinaitis had his job as long as he had after everybody seemingly across well, the board did, did wasn't a big fan? Bring John back? Yeah. Did, did he bring John in as somebody to just, you know, as sick as it is, to just engage in this with him? It seems like it. it's like hiring your frat bro again that got, uh, arrested and he needs a job so you're like all right well we'll put you on the payroll or something like it's it's that type of inside uh you know this like manipulating the system and you know when people say like oh that's high school drama and then you grow up and you realize high school drama never ends never goes away and then you see things where it's like oh well that's that's a different company we wouldn't do that in this company this is no that seems like any company that's big enough ends up having these kind of issues and stuff. And, and for that matter too, this isn't like a black mark on pro wrestling. That is like, it's only a pro wrestling thing. I am positive. If you look into the NBA, you look into major league baseball, you look into Amazon, whatever disgusting stuff like this happens across the board. Cause like I said, when you get rich enough, you just lose all your humanity and you feel untouchable. And it's and kind of scary that he might be untouchable because this uh, he, little thing on this. I think, um, I think it's about to get real bad for him. It might be. It might not be because the thing I read earlier that I wanted to make sure to mention uh, this little passage in his. Uh, it, what is this? Um, the certificate of incorporation. It says uh, for his spot, Vince Mc, Vincent K. McMahon shall serve as the executive chair of the board until the earliest of his death, resignation, or incapacitation. Any vacancy of the executive chair, which, if Mr. McMahon is the initial executive chair, shall initially only occur upon the death, resignation, or incapacity of Mr. McMahon, shall be filled by the board by the affirmative role of the majority of the directors. 
if I, you know, and I'm not a lawyer and anything, but if I read that correctly and all, it kind of seems like they can't fire him. And that it's like part of his deal is I am here until I choose to leave. I have like a, I'm in a coma. I'm, you know, in a vegetative state or I'm dead. Now they can convince him potentially to resign, but it, it seems like if he wants to stay on board that he would be like, fuck you, which all the more reason explains why he would sell the company and sell it in a way that it's like, you cannot fire me. At that point, TKO has to do something to be like, even if they have to do it this way, which of course is not the best course of action, but even if they have to come out and say, we fucked up, we did a deal where we can't fire him, we think his actions are absolutely you know, disgusting, and we wish that we could fire this motherfucker. Sorry, everybody, we're going to have to last until he, he's dead. Even if they do that, at least it would be, you know, better than them being like, well, um, can you tune into uh, the Royal Rumble on Saturday? Like, you know what I mean? Where it's just like, take some fucking accountability. You you know who you're signing on. Well, I'm going to like not play devil's advocate, let's say, but at least like put things into a bit more of a context. As it stands right now, he's not guilty of anything. At least in the eyes of the law, yeah. In the eyes of the law, he's not guilty of anything. This is a lawsuit that he said has his spokesman has come out and probably said that he will defend, uh, defends defend. So he 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 doesn't, or at least he's given the position that he believes that he's innocent of what's being he's been accused of. And yeah, as I say, we've seen enough of this stuff to feel like there's there's at least like we could easily believe that it's true. But we have to wait until he is found guilty to call law or the lawsuit settles or anything along those lines and then see what the ramifications are. At that point, there must be at least something in their case of like if he's sent to jail, have some kind of like federal indictment against him, that he must be able to be like in breach of his contract and kicked out of the company. But just from a standpoint, like, Right now, the old six WWE are are bad, 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 and and this is just like hours after like Vince was standing next to Dwayne the Rock Johnson at the uh, the stock exchange and ringing the bell and all that stuff. Everything, oh, everything's great, and like WWE's hot a hotter commodity than it ever has been before, and it's on this big deal with Netflix and like everything's like super rosy, and then this just hits, and now. I'd say everybody again. It's just like the the what I I still like hold on to the the absolute truth that like Vince was to come out in the Royal Rumble, um, come out at the Royal Rumble, uh, on on Saturday, like still people would bow to him in the audience and everything like that. So oh, look but, at uh, what Trump. some people want yeah. to vote for. <laughs> yeah, you know. Which, by the way, for anybody who doesn't fucking say it, it's not that we're saying that everybody, every other politician on the opposite side is fine. So don't jump into that and being like, oh, here's a Democrat. Yeah, they're all fucking terrible. He's just the most obviously not fine. He's the most out, <laughs> outward in his depravity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the similarities between those two gets... Recontextualizes that too, right? Oh, worse and worse 
every time. Which then makes you go, okay, did we talk more about DeSantis? Because there was the whole thing in Florida. And what's going on with Linda? And what's got, you know, like you, strange bedfellows is a term that you can't really apply here unless you apply it into what they're seemingly doing. Like you're, you're judged by the company that you keep, you know? It's really damning for everybody around. I'm not going to go into again. We haven't really gone into the specifics about it, and I don't think we necessarily need to know the because there's a there's a worry, or at least there's a because of how some of these things presented that it can just devolve into comedy because some of them do just sound so ridiculous and stupid that you can just like find yourself inherently laughing at it, which you shouldn't do. It, it's an anxious seriously. laugh, but it's also yeah. like a like psychotic in the sense of i can't believe what the fuck i'm reading mm-hmm. like yeah it sounds crazy like yeah. when you it's a trauma response where you hit that like yeah this can't be true so i'm just gonna laugh it off mm. and it's it's some of the most really sickening things i cannot say that enough because it it just recontextualized it, all of wwe in a lot of ways is recontextualized and that's the part that sucks because they are doing a lot to try and move into a new thing, you know? But how do you talk about WrestleMania and not talk about Vince McMahon? Well, I, I, well more so than this, like, we have to think about the structure around WWE at the top as well. Because they well, either, I mean, it's a case of, like, board directors, you can't... You wouldn't be able to convince me if all this stuff that um, Jogron is alleging is accurate. You cannot convince me that one, they were unaware of it. Yeah, that's uh, true. Or, or two, that they were, um, if they were unaware of it, that they didn't then become somewhat alerted to it. There must be people, I mean, fucking hell, two members of the previous board directors were his daughter and his son-in-law. So, like they would at least have some understanding of things that were going on. But I think it's like, I think we need to, again, alleged all that context there. I think we need to talk about the human nature of like, yo, people don't, people are probably listening to this old man talk about his conquest and they can't, they can't even be imagining the things that are actually happening. They're just like, oh, God, Vince just won't grow up. Then you find out the the details that this woman is alleging, and I'm sure they're sick to their stomachs because there's no way that they knew all of this. You can't tell me that you look at some of those things in that court document and say, yes, people definitely knew the details. No, so people thought, you know, Vince was just being Vince. Right. Yes, that in the, that in and of itself is a fucking problem. I acknowledge that, but I also think that you can't. I'm sure that's why Stephanie left. Yeah, you know, like okay, yeah, alleged whatever. I'm talking of my own opinion, but she hasn't sure said anything pro Vince since leaving. She hasn't right? said anything pro Vince. She hasn't said anything WWE related. Yeah, she said I'm out. Which is very much like that could mean her being like she found out what was going on here and was just like, I have three daughters. I I disown you. Essentially. But but at the same token, I don't want to I don't want these people to go off without any sort of 
yeah um ownership of this I mean, fundamentally Absolutely. like like even if they didn't know the specific details they must have known aspects of this because vince was sharing it around with people with his inner circle i mean that's what uh, again all this alleged stuff that um that she said that like he was sharing photos of her and videos and other stuff with people within his inner circle within the company and outside the company like close friends and stuff like that you don't think that doesn't get to board directors in any way or the or any members of the board directors aren't involved in that yeah it's, like, it's odd to think that he's doing that and having like He's going up to Kevin Dunn backstage and showing a picture, but then nobody knows what's happening at all. And they're all just like, no, he's just working all the time. Like, you know, you know, something's up. What it comes down to this is the fact that he was voted out of the company in the middle of 2022. The the board of directors unanimously voted to kick him out, which included people like Nick Khan and um, Stephanie McMahon and Triple H and other people on the board as well. And then... A lot of those people then unanimously voted for Vince to return to the head of the board of directors uh, prior to the merger with TKO. So, like, they must have had enough suspicions and doubts and worries to choose the course to vote him out, but then decide to vote him back in afterwards. So, again, it's not such a complicit into his actions but it's at least like why was there so much desire to bring him back when a bombshell like this was had the potential to drop but then also it's on the lines of with stephanie as well apparently she was the one who was like one of the people championing the investigation into vince's stuff which miss uh, grant alleges that uh, she was never reached out to Within this investigation, and I think, believe in the uh, the document, uh, the investigation is is described as a sham. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially along the lines of, well, was she and other people involved in the investigation doing their actual due diligence, or were they just saving face and saying they were investigating when they were just, you know, talking out the other side of their face? Essentially, it is worth noting that there was an independent member of the board who gave a statement to the New York Times saying that he was under the impression, at least, that they had reached out to her legal team and that those attempts were made. But this was also a freelance member of the board. Yeah. And so it's all kind of, that we know who, who knows anything, you know? like yeah, It could be a he said, she said thing. And as I'm not saying that one side is, well, one side of that would invariably have to be wrong. Because either she was reached out either to, or she, she was reached, reached out, out to. to. Yeah. So, so we'll wait and see on that. I mean, uh, technically, technically, there could be a miscommunication in the sense of like, yeah, they thought they were reaching out to her. They had not to make an excuse for it, but like they think they're reaching out to her. They have the wrong number. They're like, oh, she doesn't want to respond. She doesn't get any re- reply because she didn't get any contact. So, in her mind, she wasn't reached out to. In their mind, they did. There is a possibility, but but it's like more than likely they just didn't fucking talk to her because I'm more willing to believe her story than anybody else's, you know? But right. my, my overarching thing with this, though, is a case of it's not this, it, this shouldn't all be about purging WWE of Vince McMahon. There is clearly a culture established at the top with him definitely as the ringleader of it. But if this again, all this alleged stuff is true then he's like just the 
it's not just like you shouldn't just be cutting the head off the snake and the snake dies. Mm-hmm. It's like there might there there must be other layers to it. There must there needs to be a bit more of a thorough cleansing of the culture at the top of WWE. And whether that means that other heads have to roll or systems have to be put in place to make sure something like this could never ever happen again. Those actions need to be taken and need to be taken with like strict urgency. And as I say, like, I, I just don't, to me, and it, it just screams to me, it's like, this isn't just a, this is a Vincent Man problem, but it's a, it's a problem that's infected other areas as well. And you need to then do the obvious thing or do the right thing by, based on all this stuff, which is to get rid of him and make sure he can never come back. But then secondly, from that point, is to then deal with the aftermath of it and make sure that everyone is aware, be transparent and open about what systems and measures you've put in place to make sure that anyone associated with it and the structure at the top of the company will never allow for anyone to be mistreated in this way ever again. So... Yeah, and it, it remains to be seen, of course, that there are way, way, way too many aspects of this that, like, the fallout can't be, you know, examined right now. Because we're not even, like, even if the we're it goes through the trial the and it becomes a trial and then you go through the trial and you finish that or, like, any of that kind of stuff, even after that, you don't know how things are going to play out until years afterward. But... This is, it blows out of the water the steroid scandal. It blows out of the water that whole stupid stand-up for WWE crap that they did back in the past. It blows out of the water every single thing that they've had going on in the past relating to company-wide things like that. And then, you know, I'm not diminishing like the Chris Benoit situation, obviously, like a, a horrible thing or the Owen Hart situation. Let's talk about Benoit for a second, because is that what we're looking at here? I don't know how the fuck you scrub Vince McMahon from WWE. But. Is if all if he's guilty, does Vince McMahon get scrubbed from all of this? You know, I, mean, like, I mean, it it's kind of one of those things you can do it as much as you can do it without being able to ever actually do it. I think I think realistically they they won't, even though it's it'll be one of those like just asterisks that's put against this stuff, whereas the Benoit stuff because Benoit situation is is different in the sense that like he killed people. And so, like, there's it's a very like cut and dry aspect to it, and even like fundamentally, there's so much we already kind of know, or at least like speculate about Vince and the activities that he has and has not been had a hand in, whether it's the um, yeah, whether it's the steroid scandal, whether it's covering up the uh, alleged murder of uh, Nancy Argentino by Jimmy Snooker. All those years ago, the, the death of Owen Hart and the WWE's uh, negligence involved in that. Uh, yeah, everything in the in the how much they knew about Benoit's death before that episode of Raw tribute episode aired, and they still went ahead with it. And 
yeah, everything involving this and other aspects of like, I mean, we would other like sexual scandals that he's been involved in as well and affairs that he's spoken about and what have you. It's a case of like, God, no, this guy's a pretty scummy individual to put it lightly. So, you know what, though, but even with all of that, you never imagine this. No, no, this takes it to a whole because another level. It was already bad when the assumption was, well, he's just an egomaniac who, you know, wants to, thinks all women are attracted to him and wants to expose himself. But then this alleges he just is a really sick man who really enjoyed using this woman. And no matter what, like, you, some of the stories here you've never heard, like, you don't hear, oh, well, he... Promised a woman to the Undertaker to keep Undertaker. You know, you don't hear the kind of levels of scum that we've heard from this. And it's very concerning and it's very scary. I mean, arguably the most concerning and scary thing about all this is that this is just one woman's experience. Oh, it's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. Like how many, like, again, with all this stuff, how many more are there? He's been the chairman of and the head of WWE for over what, 40, 50 years, around about that about time. Like how how much more is there? How how much more can you deal can you drill into this and find out more and more stuff? How many people who are currently working in professional wrestling have been an involvement in this rock like or been effective or a victim of this sort of behaviour towards him? Because he's clearly a guy who recognizes the power that he wields and uses it and has used it completely abhorrently or um, vindictively, especially towards women, it seems. So, like in an industry that's already like historically so male uh, dominated, like and like this, like this happened like um, alleged like four or five years ago. Would have been like in the eighties or the nineties. Yeah. God knows how many other stories are out there that involve him and other people too. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's just it's only came out yesterday. So there's going to be so much more that's going to be dug into this, and the lawsuit's happening. So that'll be something to follow along with in terms of future updates about it. But uh, yeah, this is a. Uh, Put a bit of a um, a dampener on the uh, Rumble weekend. That's for sure. <laughs> and uh, that's you know another thing to talk about. Maybe the maybe the last thing while we wrap this up. Your fandom is not as important to anybody that would be like, oh, like this is um, it's more important to me that, for instance, um. Vince comes out there and says, like, welcome to WrestleMania and you, you can whatever. Just stop being that type of person. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say other than that. Like, you're. Uh, it's we, okay. we, did we talk about with Benoit, like when you talk about Benoit and you go like, man, Benoit was a really good wrestler, but I can't endorse what happened and then put him in the Hall of Fame. And then you get those people that still go like, he should be in the Hall of Fame because whatever. Uh, I. You gotta, you gotta separate that. 
it's okay to admit that you're hurt. It's okay to admit that you're, you know, that he did build a lot of your childhood. But I think we're at a point right now where the only thing that matters is this future and her health. And as we've said, this is just the tip of the iceberg. But whatever happens, I hope she lives a more healthy life. In the- Any other last words you guys can uh, think of for Slim Jim? You can officially say has pulled out of their sponsorships. They were going to sponsor the Rumble. They have now issued a statement saying that due to the allegations, they are pausing their promotional activities with WWE right now. And one must wonder, is it just Slim Jim or will there be more? Yeah, because that would be the thing that, um, well, one of the main things that would get make WWE act is uh, if it starts to impact their their bank balances. Mm-hmm. For the most profitable time of the year. Mm. So, so, yeah, hopefully others do follow suit off the back of this, even if it would be just like uh, a temporary thing based on just what's come out allegedly. I think that people should try and take a an immediate stand against it and it's also hard as well because i don't want this to fall back on wwe's the the wrestlers and the performers in wwe because they don't have any say in this yeah but it's just an issue of like the fact that like if the essentially your figurehead of your company is the is the perpetrator of all these actions then you can't you, you invariably you want them to be to be ramifications on them, and unfortunately, if that's the case, there also has to be ramifications on the company they run as well, and that means it's going to affect a lot of blameless people in the process. That yeah, as I say, I'm not saying people don't tune into the Royal Rumble because of this or boycott the Royal Rumble because of this. I mean, if you want to, then you're more than welcome to do so. Like that's like that, that could be a way. Let's say. Your actions are your actions for it, but I'm not saying that people are wrong if they tune into the Royal Rumble. We're still going to watch the Royal Rumble. We're still going to we'll try and enjoy it if it's a good show. But um, but yeah, as I say, it's a it's a very delicate situation. All all things considered, awful, awful, awful situation. Even without factoring in the timing of like. You just did this whole, you know, they the rocks on the board and they got WrestleMania and this Netflix thing. And it's like, yeah, but motherfuckers and credit to the people that leaked that stuff out and whatever, if this is true and all that they, you know, to, to spite WWE beyond like, you don't get to do this. You don't get to act like everything's super great. We got this lawsuit going on motherfuckers and here's more, you know, you can't sweep us under the rug type of action. Uh, It's going to make the press conference more interesting. That's for sure to see how people respond to this and if anybody has the stones to ask any questions and no there's no way the question doesn't get asked at this point literally all anybody is talking about is who's going to ask the question how many of you are going to ask the question i 
Nia Jax already asked a question by Nick Houseman. Like, I don't know how many wrestlers during the uh, actual media scrum today were asked, but I know Nia Jax was asked about what happened, and she said she's all business. I think a lot of people are going to have to say that. I think Triple H is going to have to offer a firm no comment. It sucks. It's not what any of us want, but I can't see them actively getting into a deep discussion with members of wrestling media. Not because wrestling media won't do their jobs, but because they finally came around to actually letting people in because it's fun and we're we're doing a fun thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I can't see them offering real answers. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, the likelihood that they end up actually saying anything is extremely little. Uh, you know, I, I can see them trying to do the whole different company. That's that was their initial statement. He doesn't run WWE. He doesn't run TKO. Basically, trying to distance themselves from him. But he is WWE. Like I said, like he, his DNA, his ideas, everything he is is WWE. Unfortunately, and they're gonna have to reconcile with that. Crazy, crazy times. And, uh, you know, obviously future editions of the hot tags, if new things come out, we'll talk about them then. Whatever the fallout at the Royal Rumble specifically is going to be, you know, if Brock isn't in there or if this changes up some other plans or what gets talked about at the press conference or anything across the board. I mean, this is huge. Uh, We'll talk about that potentially a little bit tomorrow. Because remember, everybody, we are going to be having our pay-per-view point post-show immediately following the Royal Rumble, where you'll be able to interact with us live. You'll be able to see our reactions, see how tired we look, <laughs> and everything else. So keep in mind, despite the horrible stuff like that, there is some potential for some fun this weekend uh, from a pro wrestling fan's perspective. And we hope that we're going to be having fun with you. We hope you uh, take advantage of the uh, predictions contest and that you sign up for that discord that I mentioned before and yeah, make sure that you are setting up everything when it comes to the link tree stuff, go to amangotree.com. You'll see links to fanboys anonymous content, smart Guy moment content, my personal stuff at Tony mango. You'll be able to follow along with uh, everything that you possibly can through like Facebook and Twitter for smart Guy moment and all um, yeah, if I'm missing something, you tell me and I'll try to get it all sorted out despite all the craziness. But while you're following my stuff, you should also follow Robin Callum. Yep. Follow me everywhere at dude. Police. Check out fightful.com. Fightful does have boots on the ground. I know that Sean will not be at the post-show press conference, but we may have some other representation there. Regardless, fightful.com will keep everyone up to date. And Check out what Callum has going on. So you can find me on Twitter at Wigmeister14. Uh, check out the power rankings uh, this Saturday on uh, uh, In If you want some uh, reading to do to see how the WWE uh, wrestlers are pairing or where they're positioned prior to the Royal Rumble. So check all that stuff out. Uh, you can also follow the fantasy there as well. See how all our points shaping up post post 
well, pre and then post the Royal Rumble. Uh, there'll be some significant points changes after the Rumble because the likelihood is the two of the people we have listed uh, on our on our uh, fantasy teams will win the Royal Rumble and we'll pick up a hefty number of points as a result for it. So make sure you stay tuned to that at everyonesmarkerman.com uh, or you can find it directly at like www.fantasyleague.com. And yeah, just follow along with all that stuff. All right, everybody. Well, that is, of course, this episode of the Hot Tags, but plenty more coming your way from the Royal Rumble stuff tomorrow. Next round of Hot Tags next week is going to be accompanied by a main event that uh, is most likely going to be NXT Vengeance Day predictions, but maybe we do something else in the meantime. I don't know. Um, maybe we even get into the dark cast around that time frame or so, but stay tuned. Subscribe. Make sure you're following us on whatever platforms that you follow outside of YouTube, if that's the case. Leave your comments below. Hit the like button if you enjoyed this. And we will see you tomorrow with the uh, pay-per-view point post-show for Royal Rumble. But adios for now, everybody. This has been another Smart Out moment. And we are being counted out. 